0: Jenna Shore, I work in marketing here at Bentley Systems, and I am one of the hosts of Water Experts Unfiltered. This is a podcast channel dedicated to water infrastructure professionals, experts, enthusiasts, and to anyone who has an interest in topics related to hydraulics and hydrology. In each episode, we invite one of our Bentley experts to talk about industry topics, trends, and real solutions for real problems. So if you have a thirst for water knowledge, stay tuned because we will quench your curiosity, not with drops, but with a constant flow of water knowledge. Today, I'm excited to speak with one of our OpenFlows experts. She is my go-to person when I have questions about wastewater and stormwater projects. And I always learn so much from her. Uh, Her passion for the industry really shines through. So let's start by having you introduce yourself and explain how you got interested in the water industry.
1: All right. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Lindsay Henderson. I live in Hanover, Pennsylvania, which is located in South Central Pennsylvania, right near that Maryland border. And you're right, Jenna, I've been a longtime lover of all things water. I think I really first was inspired by my family's frequent trips to Slate Run, Pennsylvania, my absolute favorite place to visit. And so my family has a cabin that's totally off the grid. I'm talking like no electricity, no running water, the whole rugged outdoorsy thing which, by the way, is probably my least favorite part about going there. Uh, But (laughs) there's something about just being off the grid and totally disconnected. I'm talking no cell phones or Internet or any glimpse of reality that just really makes you appreciate things like streams and forests and wildlife. Growing up, I spent countless hours playing in the stream behind our cabin and swimming in Pine Creek. It's really what sparked my interest in the water industry and knowing that I wanted to do my part to help keep our waters as beautiful as possible.
0: That sounds amazing. Well, except for the off the grid part. Okay, so you found a love of water at a young age. So how did you take that passion and turn it into a career?
1: Yeah, so I know I mentioned I live in Southern Pennsylvania, kind of near Maryland, And what's really interesting about living and working in this region is the huge focus on stormwater management and pollutant loading to the Chesapeake Bay. And for you, Jenna, even though you live in California, I'm sure you've heard the need to clean up the Chesapeake Bay.
0: Oh, yeah. There's a lot of media attention around that local effort to stop the pollution flowing into the bay. Was it the local environmental issues like that one that influenced your career path?
1: I'd say that my childhood experiences have really pushed me in the direction of wanting to help my local area achieve its water quality goals, which kind of leads us to focus more on the stormwater management side of things.
0: Okay, so how did you then end up at Bentley Systems?
1: So I've been with Bentley for almost two years now, which really flew by. But before that, I worked as a water resource engineer for four years in Baltimore, Maryland. And my main focus during my time in design engineering was stormwater management and stream restoration. I really loved being in the field and even had the opportunity to oversee some stream and BMP or best management practices um, construction projects. And since I was in the Chesapeake Bay region, I've had the unique opportunity to be part of many projects that focus on nutrient and sediment reduction, floodplain restoration, BMP designs and maintenance plans, and stream restoration initiatives. But what I love most about my job now is being able to help other water resource engineers figure out which of our solutions will make their workflows easier and more streamlined. No pun intended. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) It's awesome to be able to use my experience actually designing these projects to help other engineers make their lives easier.
0: Well, it sounds like a perfect match all around. You get to continue to make a difference in the field that you're passionate about while you are also building these strong partnerships with the engineers you work with so that they can have uh, like a positive effect in the communities they serve. Uh, So today we're going to talk about stormwater management. Why is it important? And also, how would you define it?
1: So in my opinion, I think it comes down to two things, water quality and runoff reduction. We want our waters to not be overly contaminated, and we also want to reduce the risk of flooding. The example that I always like to use is a pre development and post development scenario, which, funny enough, is the entire basis for stormwater calculations and could be modeled within a single model in our stormwater software. So, pretty much imagine if you have a grassy field. Now, think about it raining. Where would you assume that most of the water goes?
0: In my recent conversation with another Bentley colleague, Julio Sau. we talked about infiltration, runoff, and overflows. So based on that conversation, I would think that water would infiltrate into the ground. Oh, and by the way, listener, be sure to check out the conversation with Julio if you haven't already.
1: Yes, exactly. You'd think that most of the water stays on site and infiltrates. Some may run off site but think about how long it takes for the water to run over that grassy land before leaving the area.
0: Yes, and since it is a grassy field, I would think that it would take a while.
1: Now imagine you wanna construct on that same grassy piece of land. Instead of the grass, you now have a ton of impervious area, a parking lot, a building, you get the gist. And I'm not saying development is a bad thing. No, it's definitely crucial for (laughs) our society. But what I'm saying is that it really does impact the stormwater because now imagine it rains in that same area after development has been constructed. The water is just going to exit that site much more quickly and at a higher speed. It's simple water flowing over grass versus water flowing over pavement. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've walked in a parking lot before when it's raining and you see that sheet flow just cruising over the parking lot and think about how much that pollutes the water too oil drips from cars, anything that's on that parking lot surface is being
0: picked up by that water. Absolutely. It moves much faster on that paved area than the grassy one. And you do see a lot of little like rainbows floating on the top, the oils and other chemicals moving along with it.
1: Yeah, exactly. So our biggest concern on the stormwater side of things is looking at that new shiny development and trying to make it so that the peak flow for that site is the same or less than what it initially was when the site was just a grassy field. We're really concerned about on-site stormwater management and how it connects to the entire system as a whole to prevent flooding and to improve water quality.
0: That is so important, you know, especially in cities and towns as they continue to grow to fit more and more people. So, so how do we prevent flooding and improve water quality?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so sticking with that same example, if you now have water rushing off site very quickly, it's sort of like a domino effect. Imagine what that does to everything downstream that was used to just having the flow from that grassy field. And then also consider, what if a dozen developments are made within that same drainage area and stormwater wasn't considered? Imagine the impact that would have. Mm, Yeah. The erosion that this can then cause also contributes to water quality through nitrogen, phosphorus loadings, and total suspended solids, or TSS, too. And that's why, especially in the Chesapeake Bay watershed, which is local for me, there are bigger standards to reach for places like golf courses, for example, that might use a lot of pesticides, or another big one is farmland. Mm. All of that nitrogen and phosphorus-rich soil that might be newly eroded as a result of increased higher velocity runoff needs to have a method to treat it, which is where we get into stormwater BMPs.
0: Yes, agriculture is a big focus here in California and near and dear to my heart. Uh, but but what does... Um, BMP stand for, and why are they important in stormwater? BMP,
1: as I mentioned before, stands for Best Management Practices. They're really vegetative or managerial practices used to treat, prevent, or reduce water pollution, and also to control peak runoff rate. There are different types of BMPs, structural BMPs, and non-structural BMPs. Structural BMPs are fixed to one location, and they're pretty obvious in their physical form, whereas non-structural tends to be less obvious and could be something like wetland protection throughout a community or protecting riparian buffers, or even just using grading and landscaping to divert runoff to a more vegetated area away from storm drain systems so that it could infiltrate into the ground.
0: Okay, so can you give me an example of structural BMPs?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, So, an extended detention pond is usually an example of a structural BMP. Instead of stormwater directly leaving a site, it's directed to a detention pond. Once the water's in the pond, the pollutants can settle to the bottom because the water's being held in the pond.
0: Okay, so which is more common, structural or non-structural?
1: In my experience in design, I would definitely say that while non-structural BMPs definitely are used, design engineers tend to be more concerned about structural BMPs. These really help reach standards set forth locally and federally for reaching stormwater requirements for site development projects. They also tend to connect into the stormwater system as a whole. So definitely a major concern for stormwater engineers. I know in our software alone, we can design ponds, infiltration basins, bioretentions, vegetative swales, underground storage, and more. We call these low impact development controls or LIDs in our software.
0: Okay, so now let's shift the conversation to stormwater from a higher level perspective. What are the different aspects of stormwater design?
1: There's so many different components that make up the term stormwater design when thinking about the whole process of stormwater overland flow, flow in storm sewer systems, outfall design, BMP and pond design storage, reducing peak flows, and how it all connects together. What's unique with our products is that we have different levels that can help anywhere from just one aspect of the system design to the entire stormwater network. But first to speak to the overland flow component, which is when water physically hits the ground and starts going over the land, we have some great tools that are built into OpenFlow, civil storm and sewer gems that really aid with this part of the design. We actually just released a new feature in our software that allows for 2D analysis. I'm super excited about this feature from a stormwater perspective because you can analyze surface flow, surface velocity, and water depth, which directly helps our stormwater modelers with rainfall runoff, including overflows and direct rainfall on terrain. This uses the explicit swim solver built in, and this feature is now available for users for our virtuoso subscribers and select license users at no additional cost. Really, this is just a huge stride in our software, in my opinion, from a stormwater perspective.
0: Yes, I know I've heard some really nice feedback from users about the new 2D analysis functionality.
1: Yeah, I actually have two, Jenna. It's been nothing but like positive feedback. Um, We also have a library of built in roughness coefficients that help calculate overland flow, as well as the ability to do auto delineated catchment areas based on terrain files to help better place inlets. I remember in my consulting days that I would spend hours delineating drainage areas to inlets, looking at contours and slowly moving through each area to accurately capture this. Now in a model with an active terrain, you can do this at the click of a button.
0: It's amazing. Wow, that is a time savings. So are there any other components of stormwater design you want to explain here?
1: Yeah, so another aspect of stormwater design are the low impact development concepts or BMPs I mentioned earlier. We have a ton of awesome tools for this in our open flows portfolio, pond CivilStorm, civil storm and sewer gems. They really provide a range too for what you're hoping to accomplish. PondPack itself is pretty self-explanatory. It serves the purpose of modeling and designing ponds, but not much beyond that in a system. So if you're looking strictly for the pond component, that's the best match, and it does a great job. It's been around for a while, and a lot of my users who opt for this software tend to only opt for this because it's what they're used to using. But if you're newer to stormwater design, or you're open to a new software, I'd point you more in the direction of CivilStorm or SewerGems.
0: Oh, okay, why is that?
1: Sewer Gems and Civil Storm are just beefier. They handle the entire system from start to finish and have all of these components that I'm mentioning. But they can also do everything PondPack can do and more. Really, it's just a difference in solvers. From the LIDS and BMP perspective, I'd sooner point a user in the direction of Civil Storm or Sewer Gems. Those are the software options that let you model underground tanks, infiltration basins, swales, and even ponds. It's a much more inclusive software offering. Sewer Gems works in microstation, a CAD environment, a GIS environment, or just as a standalone environment. It's our best offering when it comes to features, and it can even help with outfall analysis and design, so it's pretty all inclusive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know our users love that we have all these options and that you can actually really just select what works best for your business. Okay. So how about the final component? Um, Can you talk about that one?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the last major component that I'd like to mention is the actual storm sewer itself. I'm talking channels, pipes, Inlet design, all of that good stuff that makes up the rest of the system beyond the overland flow and the low impact development controls. Again, we have a great range from a more basic approach of just looking at that system without the overland components or the LID components with our StormCAD software, up to again, that complete system approach with Civil Storm or sewer gems. In this phase of the design, stormwater engineers would be concerned about inlet placement and design and could really utilize that auto delineate tool I mentioned before that uses the terrain to help place inlets in areas with the most concentrated flow. This phase can also be looking at open channel analysis. That's often a huge component of a stormwater system. All of our storm softwares can analyze this and even look at culverts too. This tends to be the phase that people think about most, I'd say, when they think about stormwater design because of inlets and roadways, gutter design, all that good stuff. StormCAD, which is our most basic stormwater modeling, is already built into our Open Roads Designer for up to 100 inlets. But you can actually use StormCAD, Civil Storm, or Sewer Gems directly in Open Roads Designer to help with the drainage component of a road design. I did this a lot in my time working in Design, and it was quite honestly awesome to be able to work directly in the file with all that roadway info. The integration was great, and then you can also take that file whether it be stormcad civil storm or a sewer gems file and open it independently of ord2 and work in a standalone interface just super flexible really user friendly but speaking to that my first experience using stormcad was in this exact scenario stormcad and ord for a highway drainage project having mostly done stream restoration and bmp projects at this point It was a little out of my comfort zone, if I'm being honest. (laughs) But (laughs) the interface is super intuitive and really made for a great workflow. So that's just another added bonus, in my opinion.
0: Well, you've come a long way since then, so. (laughs) (laughs) So if we go back to your first example of the grassy field, how does that tie back into all of this?
1: Yep, so one of my favorite features that all of my users find super helpful is the ability to model pre-development and post-development all from within one model. And I know I mentioned at the beginning that these are the two major components of stormwater design that designers care about the most. I remember in my design days, and I'm sure a lot of other engineers are guilty of this too, you would have a model that was saved as pre-development and then one that was saved as post-development. It would be super annoying to have to close one and then open the other. then any change that you make to one that impacts both scenarios would then also have to be changed in the other. You'd have to input rainfall data twice. I could go on and on, but overall, it was a pretty big headache.
0: Yeah, that sounds really tedious, and I'm really glad engineers today um, have easier and more efficient workflows. Yeah, (laughs) and honestly, I'm sure
1: anyone listening can relate to the fact that they've Inevitably, had a model saved as post development, and then one saved as post development underscore new, <laughs> and then another one saved as post development new actual, and so on. Oh, and no. I, I wish I were kidding about this. And you tell yourself, oh, I'll remember that tomorrow, which one is actually the one I should be working out of, and I know the difference between the two. And then you come back to working on the models, and you're like, wait, wait a minute, what's the <laughs> difference here? <laughs> uh-huh. the, the problem being that you would have. To entirely close one before opening the other just to figure out the difference, it was such a
0: mess. Uh, yeah, and the pre and post development seems to be a pretty big focus for stormwater, and it could get pretty messy and lead to design mistakes and lost time. But um, it does sound like the OpenFlow's products are able to, to fix this problem, right?
1: Exactly. It was just causing a loss of time and silly errors to be made. And in, in my experience, what's really awesome about all of our stormwater modeling software is we have the ability to model different scenarios and alternatives all from within one model file. So you save the time of having to close one file, open another, et cetera. You always can make changes to one design alternative and easily apply it to all of the scenarios or even just specific ones. We have a parent-child scenario management that really streamlines the design process and comparing these conditions. I definitely didn't take full advantage of this in my design days, but man, I would have saved myself a lot of
0: time. Oh, well, so at least the engineers now can model all parts of the Stormware design, um, all in one easy workflow. So that's great to know that there are ways to make things more efficient and engineers can save time and and focus on the actual design.
1: I definitely agree, Jenna. It's all super streamlined. Even something as tedious as inputting rainfall is streamlined with direct imports and can be applied to all scenarios. Another small thing, but honestly, in my opinion, a huge time saver is that we have a library of materials already built into our Storm software. So engineers can save themselves the headache of trying to find roughness coefficients and Manning's n values. They're all just built right in there. It's such a thoughtful process from start to finish from using our model builder tool to import existing systems you have and maybe like a shapefile or a CAD format, the whole way to custom report outputs, which can save engineers literally hours putting together mm-hmm. all aspects of a report or, a pen- or an appendix for a submission. It makes the design process as easy as possible. Plus, if you get stuck along the way, we do actually have a super great support system here at Bentley. We really just want engineers to succeed and have an easy time doing it.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Bentley has incredible learning resources for really for all levels of learners. Uh, I know that users can find a ton of self-paced learning tools or they can connect with a support colleague for personalized training. We have lots of users that rave about the risk support that they received. Okay, we're at the end of our time. So thank you so much, uh, Lindsay. We've, as usual, I have learned so much and um, the engineers who work with you and all of our other passionate experts are really very lucky indeed. Thanks so much, Jenna. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to learn more uh, from Bentley experts. They will be uh, bringing you lots of great information, industry trends, and real solutions for real problems. Thanks again.